right, we are back. As promised uh, just before the break, we're now going to talk with uh, an old friend here from KDVS. That would be uh, the host of the popular program Live in the War Zone, Heather Klinger, joins us. Heather, welcome to Radio Parallax. Uh, thanks, Doug. Heather, you're kind of a living legend down at the station, having started when you were still in high school. Tell, tell us how you got started at KDVS. I actually knew some people who had started in their junior high years, and I went to school with, and you know, they had talked about the station. I listened to their show and was sort of kind of getting into KDVS. And then in my sophomore year, someone, uh, some closer friends actually joined KDVS. And I wasn't really too interested. I was like, oh, I don't know. I kind of like listening. I don't know if I want to do that. And then I went to the orientation meeting. I saw the huge record collection and knew I was in. And it was <laughs> something for me, you know. So I started in 2002, and here I am still, still down there. All right. And you are still contributing every Tuesday. I'm actually every other Tuesday, 8 to 9 p.m., and I alternate with DJ Arianaki. Fair enough. I've enjoyed listening to some of your musical selections on many an occasion. You were on a surf music kick, I remember, one night that was quite, quite entertaining. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> well, at the moment, you have, uh, you've left the environs of Lower Freeborn, have traveled across the causeway to join the staff, it looks like, of the Midtown Monthly. Let's talk about this, uh, this new publication. Yeah, well, Midtown Monthly, it, uh, it's a neat place. It was actually owned by, a, I believe, like a sort of large corporation or a local corporation. And um, the son, I believe, of the people who owned it or someone related to them was running it, but he was just too busy. His name was Anthony. And so eventually Liz Lameau and Tim Foster bought it. They're a married couple out of Sacramento and both very involved in arts and music. Um, Liz goes to Sac State. She's a grad student there in fine arts and then... Tim Foster has been in a bunch of local bands like the Losing Streaks and the Troublemakers. So together, you know, they know a lot about, you know, the independent music scene and art and food and kind of the culture in Midtown Sacramento. So they've been, you know, every month they have a new music columnist who does record reviews. And so it's called Musical Chairs. So I actually did one of the Musical Chairs a couple months back. And then somehow I I stuck around and, and now I write a monthly column of show listings. So I kind of pinpoint, you know, some of the my favorite bands coming to the area, and then sometimes I'll do band interviews as well, and then I'll do some record reviews. So after doing one month of the kind of temporary gig, I'm kind of stuck there. So it's cool. Well, good on you. Yeah. Well, Heather, of course, we pointed out that at the top of the show, you, you secretly have helped this show get on the air many times when I was in you know, the Caribbean or Costa Rica or something, and thanks for that. Oh, no problem. It's always my pleasure. And and we hope that uh, as the weeks and months uh, go forward here, you can uh, you can maybe keep be our liaison to this new publication and let us know what the heck they're doing because we've got some great articles in here. Oh, definitely. I mean, if you ever want, let me know and I can you know get you hooked up with someone else to talk to because the people who run it are amazing and they're really talented and really fun to talk to and the writers are also really cool too. So. Definitely, let me know. Why don't we go local on a field trip sometime? We had a lot of fun going down to visit the California Aggie a few years ago. Maybe we should pack up our microphone and go over and, uh, and check, check out your guys' operation. Yeah. All right, well, we'll do it. Well, Doug, I think you should contribute something, too. I'd like to see your name in print in the town monthly. All right, well, let's, let's, maybe we can make it happen. Okay, yeah, let's go for it. Cool. And, Heather, I'm sure a lot of folks uh, are going to want to pick up this magazine and check out the website. Where, where is that located? The website is at midtownmonthly.net. KDVS's own Heather Klinger, currently working for the Midtown Monthly. And speaking of local media, we would note that uh, over at the B, Sam McManus is continuing to do a bang-up job of covering what, uh, what is going on 
You'll also find some pretty good tidbits over in the Bites column in the Sacramento News and Review. We ourselves wanted to make some a brief note of a couple of articles in the newspaper Because People Matter. This is available locally and at www.bpmnews.org. Article by W. Randy Haynes talked about Democracy Now!, uh, the program that was attempting to save our democracy one show at a time. There's a picture in, in the paper of Amy Goodman in her 2005 local appearance with Ron Cooper, executive director of Access Sacramento. Access Sacramento airs Democracy Now! Uh, uh, every weekday. And of course, you know, you are used to hearing it here on KDVS. And indeed, Amy Goodman's Democracy Now! is every weekday, noon to one, here at 90.3 FM. I have had the pleasure of interviewing Amy Goodman twice, although regrettably not uh, not for this show, but rather for Insight over at KXJZ. And I must say, uh, she consistently turns out a fine program. Another article in the same newspaper by Jeannie Keltner talked about how Talk City was widening the dialogue of political discussions here in America. Ms. Keltner noted that the FM dial has for years had KDVS, KVMR, and Access Sacramento The Voice as independent resources. Ms. Keltner noted that although for a brief time Sacramento had two AM stations competing for uh, the progressive listeners, we still have one. That would be Talk City, KSAC, 1240 AM. Although, personally, we've never been terribly impressed with all of the programming on 1240 AM, we did uh, come on board. You may have noticed the ads for Radio Parallax AM in the Humor Times. But it appears that... uh, Our journey to the other side of the dial, at least in terms of being on 1240 AM, has now come to a close. And uh, so, for that matter, has Christine Kraft's three-year sojourn over on 1240. Christine uh, is is leaving the fold, and we expect to bring her on this program sometime in the not-too-distant future. We've uh, been trying to get together with Christine for some time, and happily I was able to go on her program uh, in August. And we do have some very promising leads to keep uh, a Radio Parallax AM going on the amplitude modulation side of the radio dial. Anyway, we thank uh, Jeannie Keltner for her mention of of our program on uh, 1240 AM. Sadly, that is no more. In fact, I'm not sure at this point whether any local programming is going to be on uh, Talk City. We we think that's a darn shame, and all I want to say is that, well, (laughs) we... We tried working with those folks. And uh, for now, that's uh, all I've got to say. All right. Uh, we sometimes do obituaries in segment three, and I think we should mention on today's program the passing of the great Al Order. Al Order holds the distinction of winning the Olympic gold medal in four consecutive Olympics for throwing the discus. It was a truly uh, remarkable uh, feat in the annals of sports. Al Order was equaled by Carl Lewis, who was able to bring home Olympic gold in four consecutive Olympics. But when Al Order did it, he set the world and Olympic record every time. At the 1956 Melbourne Games, Order was a junior at the University of Kansas. On his first toss, he scored a first place throw of 184 feet 11 inches. It turned out that nobody else was able to top that, and he took the gold medal home. Four years later in Rome... He launched a discus 194 feet, 2 inches. In Tokyo, four years later, 200 feet, 1 inch. In 1968, he overcame a dislocated cervical vertebra to throw his personal best, 212 feet, 6 inches. 
Al Orta was told by cardiologists when he was 61 that he needed a heart transplant. He refused. He took pills instead and stopped lifting weights. Well, at least for 10 months. He started lifting again. Heart disease ultimately took his life, but he stayed active till the end and said, to die under a squat rack, that's acceptable. To die at a condo board meeting, that is not. All right, our final item of the day, and we absolutely cannot resist this one. This is our science topic of the day from the field of medicine and biology. All right, from The Economist, uh, current issue. Under the heading Human Evolution, the article is titled Hidden Charms, noted that lap dancers earn more when they are most fertile. The magazine noted that Jeffrey Miller of the University of New Mexico opened his article by noting that because academics may be unfamiliar with the gentleman's club subculture, some background may be helpful to understand why this is an ideal setting for understanding real-world attractiveness effects of human female estrus. Dr. Miller is an evolutionary psychologist, and he set out to investigate the flesh pots of Albuquerque, New Mexico, in pursuit of an investigation of an orthodoxy of human mating theory, that is, that in people... Estrus, the outward signs of ovulation, have been lost so that human males cannot tell when women are fertile. The evolutionary theory behind this is based on the idea that, in evolutionary terms, it benefits women to disguise when they are fertile so that their menfolk will stick around all the time. Otherwise, the theory goes, a man might go hunting for alternative mating opportunities at moments when he knew that his partner was infertile. This should result in an evolutionary arms race between the sexes as men evolve ever-heightened sensitivity to signs of female fertility. Dr. Miller thought that lap dancing clubs might be a good place to study this arms race because male detection of female fertility clues would possibly translate into an easily quantifiable signal, i.e. tip dollars earned. Really have to give this guy credit for this experiment. So, Dr. Miller recruited some women to test this uh, theory out with um, using some that were on the pill and some that were not. The pill, of course, suppresses ovulation. Note to the magazine The results support the idea that if evolution has favored concealed ovulation in women, it has favored ovulation detection in men. The average earnings per shift of women who were ovulating was $335. At times when said women were infertile, this dropped to $185, which was about what women on the pill made throughout the month. And again, quoting The Economist, The lessons are clear. A woman is sexier when she is most fertile. And if she wishes to earn a good living as a dancer, she should stay off the pill. As far as we're concerned here at Radio Parallax, this experiment has not answered the question as to whether it is the what the women are projecting while ovulating or whether it is the detection system in the males that makes the difference. We propose, therefore, that some biologists here at this university may wish to organize their own investigation of this matter at perhaps centerfolds and other local lap dancing establishments.
And uh, no, I, I have uh, no intention of conducting any of this research myself. That's it for the show. Our thanks to Heather Klinger, Michael Pollan, and, of course, Will Durst. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. We'll see you next week at the same time. <laughs>